This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 98, and uh, it's Episode 99, rather. And uh, this is Cub Prospect Party with Northside Bound. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Don't forget to leave those five-star reviews. And in this segment, Crowley hosted a live crossover with Greg Hughes, Rich Beasterfield, Todd Johnson from Northside Bound to go over their top 50 Cub Prospect list. Take a listen. Welcome, 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 Cub fans. We are live, a live edition of the Fly the W crossover special edition with my guys from North Side Bound. I have with us right now Todd Johnson, Greg Hughes, and Rich Beasterfeld. Look at look at him coming in right on cue, like perfect. <laughs> guys, how are we doing this offseason? Uh, it has been, uh, needless to say, a little bit underwhelming for some Cub fans right now. Yeah, a little underwhelming for Cubs fans. I, I guess it's a good time to be a prospect follower, right? Yeah, it's a seems to be a season of a hurry up and wait. <laughs> We're learning patience. But guys, you know, part of the reason I wanted to have you on, obviously, you guys are the prospect experts. You just had your lists out on Northside Bound. And as we kind of sit here and we're kind of waiting for things to happen, trying to poke Jed Hoyer with a stick, um, we, we've kind of noticed, you know, there, there's different ways to make the team better. Number one, you can buy players through free agency. We saw Shohei Otani's record-breaking deal. You can trade players, which involves trading prospects, or you can have people get to, you know, put people in that are within your system and find spots for them on the major league roster. So this is a time where you kind of get a little bit, you know, especially I'm sure for you three guys is guys that have followed all these players careers closely. You know, it's almost like, Oh my gosh, are we going to trade somebody? If a Juan Soto comes out, are you willing to give up three or four players to get a guy like that? And that gets tough. Uh, Greg, do me a little bit a favor and tell me, you know, when it comes to prospects, is, is there a problem sometimes of team of fans like ourselves here, especially us four here, but getting a little bit too attached to prospects? Yeah, I think that that you're always going to have one extreme or the other, I feel like, with, with everything. And I feel like the two extremes are that every prospect is can be traded and it should be traded and needs to be traded right now. Um, and then the other side of the spectrum is trying to hold on and hug every single prospect that the Cubs have and nobody should be traded. You shouldn't trade a guy like Alexander Canario for – um, someone like Juan Soto, you know? Um, so I, I think you have both ends of the spectrum. I think that we try our very, very best to be the middle ground. It's tough. I mean, cause we're, the thing is like with what we're doing with Todd, Rich and I are doing, it's like, we're watching a lot of these, these prospects. And so like we become attached, to like enjoying watching them play the game and their stories and all that good stuff. And so it becomes 
um, a little a little bit extra for us to to root for these players as they come up and and eventually reach the major leagues. Now, Rich, I have my ticket set for Arizona. I am excited. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to be there St. Patrick's Day, the week of St. Oh, Patrick's boy. Day. And uh, yeah, Stu and I are going to be there at the same time. So that that's going to be fun. But I, I want your opinion on this new initiative MLB has, Spring Breakout 24. I know you're going to be there. I know you're going to be shooting the pictures. How excited are you to see this? It, it should be fun. I think um, I think one of the concerns I heard when it was first announced is, is this a way that they might be phasing out the AFL, the Arizona Fall League? So I'm hoping that's not the case. Um but yeah, it should be fun seeing seeing a team of all you know Cubs top prospects. I mean, for for you or me, I know we hang out on the backfields a lot during spring training. For people who don't do that, it's going to be kind of different. But I think for us, it's not going to be all that much different um, because most of these guys, you know, you, you've watched their minor league game on those backfields or or seen them during the workout. So, um, but it's it's a good chance for exposure, I think, to some of the fans who don't ever make it back there. You know, to be able to get to see like. You know, Pico Armstrong, Cade Horton, um, you know, guys like that, James Triantos, names they've maybe heard but haven't watched if they're not uh, a subscriber to the MILB uh, channels. Now, Todd, you know, you guys, have, you know, you do this where you at Northside Bound, you come up with a list. Tell our listeners when you guys all sat down and, and decide to come up with these lists, do you guys have any parameters or how do you approach your list when you get to making it? Um, I think. Most of them have uh, kind of organically gone to tiers lately where we have like groups of players. That's kind of where we're at in um, analyzing prospects. And it, it kind of seems weird, but you have a group that sets itself apart at the top and then another group that could be anywhere from uh, four to seven is where I did mine. And, and Greg had maybe one to four. Um, but yeah, we've kind of set them into tiers where we think they have more this tier has more value than this tier or this tier has more potential than this tier or this tier could bring us um something in a trade but they really haven't put it together yet so it varies from from each of us so i mean we've never really sat down and and said it's just kind of organically evolved into um little tiers that we've done all right, so let's let, let's start getting into the weeds here. Let, let's start digging in. If anyone has any questions, they can ask them in the comments section. But I'm, I'm going to go, Greg, I'm going to go with you first because one of your picks that I saw kind of jump up high <clears throat> at number five, I think you had him higher than most, was Jefferson Rojas. 18-year-old shortstop. I got to see him at Myrtle Beach. What is it that, that Cub fans should really get excited about when it comes to Jefferson? Yeah, I think that it was fun that, that Jefferson Rojas kind of jumped onto the map last year, almost out of nowhere. I think that, that very few of us were expecting – I actually, I, I don't want to speak for you guys entirely, but like I think none of us were expecting that type of breakout from Jefferson yeah. Rojas in, in 2023. Um, he He's a guy who performed super well offensively in Myrtle Beach, um, which is a tough place to hit um, down there in that ballpark, down there in that league. And so uh, the fact that he was able to do what he did last year and, and he did it at 18 years old and he did it as a shortstop, um, he was a shortstop in Myrtle Beach over Christian Hernandez, which was kind of going into the season. We expected Christian to kind of run away with that position, run away with uh, with being a stud. So seeing Jefferson Rojas and, and, and part of it, too, with Jefferson is like he just kind of looks the part in addition to putting up numbers and putting up results like 
he he doesn't look like an 18 year old playing full season ball. He he looks like a like a grown man playing the game, um, and that's fun to fun to watch with with Jefferson Rojas. So um, I'm really excited to see him at age 19 play in South Bend next year because uh, I think it's only only but up for Jefferson Rojas. Now, Todd, Greg mentioned third base, and as Cub fans right now, you know it's it's. It's third base has always been that bugaboo position for the Cubs, right? After mm-hmm. after after Ron Santo, they gave away Bill Madlock, and then we really didn't have anything until Ramos Ramirez. Yeah. Chris Bryant was supposed to be the savior. Got a World Series, but you know, yeah. it, just not the career we expected. But you had an article recently on Northside Bound talking about yeah. third base and how that could be a position of strength for the Cubs. Um Tell us a little bit about B.J. Murray. We saw him in the World Baseball Classic a little bit. We saw him in the Futures game. Where did you have him ranked on your list, and and what do you think uh, B.J. Murray brings to the team? Well, I had um, B.J. in my top um, 14. He was at number 14. Um, And I really – I got to see him up close because in the summer I kind of – um, travel with South Bend up to Appleton, Wisconsin, and um, the Quad Cities, and down to Peoria. And I got to spend a lot of time in batting practice watching him and seeing him do his thing every day. He's very patient. Um, he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. Um, he has power from both sides of the plate. And he n- knows the strike zone forwards and backwards. I mean, doesn't matter what side of the plate he's at. Um, he can see the ball really well uh, with his right eye dominant when he's batting left and with his left eye uh, dominant when he's batting right. Um, He has played a little bit of first, um, but for the most part last year, he played a whole lot of third. That should, and and like I said, he definitely, like I said, fun to watch. And, and I just, Mm -hmm. I like the attitude that he brings to the team. Rich, you know, uh, I know that, like I said, you and I are running around backfields and having fun in, in the summertime. Yeah. One guy that you've been able to watch evolve. And this is the guy that, you know, really when it comes down to the teardown of the Cubs starting in like 21, when the U Darvish trade happened, you know, we were just kind of like yeah. looking, okay, what prospect in return from the Padres. And the one that really kind of is still surviving, still standing is Owen Casey. And this spring in the World Baseball Classic, I felt like that was like his coming out party when he was with um, Team Canada. Really, really put himself on the map there. Um, Owen Casey, is. Uh, do you see him? I mean, obviously we know the hit tools there, but just like third base has been a problem for the Cubs, first base has been a problem. Where With Owen Casey, where do you project him? Do you think that the Cubs may start saying, okay, we might have a little bit of need here and maybe Owen Casey fits that spot? Yeah. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see that, but I know because I've actually talked to Owen. He has never played first base um, because I know a lot of fans will throw that out. Oh, we need to put him at first base. Um, Owen's a good athlete. I think the thing that maybe has flown under the radar is how much he improved in right field this past year. Oh, yeah. um, I think he, he got he got a lot more work and his routes were getting better. He's got a, he's got a cannon for an arm. Um, so I think... You know, could he play first base? Sure. I think he's still a darn good right fielder. Um, and as you mentioned, that bat, that bat's going to play. Um, he's one of those guys, he's been fun because he started in after the, after he was acquired from the Padres in the trade, he played that next year um, pretty much all summer. I think he got called up like in 
maybe mid-August up to Myrtle Beach. But I got to watch him play in the ACL. And kind of like you guys were mentioning about B.J. Murray, his knowledge of the strike zone is so good. It is so impressive. And I think that's another one that has kind of flown under the radar. Um, so he'll take a lot of balls. He'll take his walks. Um, ACL, the umpires are learning too. But there were a number <laughs> of pitches I saw him got rung up on that he should not have been rung up on. He was getting called out on on balls that were being called strikes. But he's um, he's one of the guys I am really high on. I think he, you know, with, especially like this past year with the uh, oh, what you call it, the ball, the the, the tactic baseball, the ball. yeah. Um, his strikeout numbers were weren't real good in the first half, but they still weren't as bad as they might have been, I think, because the ball was doing some really weird things. And once they got rid of that, his numbers just really skyrocketed. Now, Greg, you were talking a little bit about the, uh, you know, about his exit velo about for uh, Owen Casey and, and, you know, for a team like the Chicago Cubs that needs some pop boy, you know, just wherever you could get it. This is a guy that would be fun to watch at Wrigley. Yeah. The exit velos are, are some of the best in, they would be some of the best in all of major league baseball. Uh, not only minor league baseball. So uh, he hits the ball really, really hard. He's gotten better um, every year at pulling the ball in the air, I've thought. Um, I thought he's really always been really good about hitting the uh, left center gap, going the opposite way uh, during his time at the lower levels of the, of the system. And I think he's gotten even better at pulling the baseball and pulling the baseball in the air. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And I mean, when you're doing that and hitting the ball consistently in the above 110 miles an hour, like that's that that'll play, you know. So um, that exit velo, and that that's the 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 best predictor of a guy ultimately having power, home run power at the major league level. And Owen Casey does it better than anybody in this organization. Um, does it better than than almost anybody in all of professional baseball. So that's fun. Now, Todd, one guy that you have high on your list is a guy that you probably saw. You said you were traveling a lot around with South Bend, mm-hmm. Kevin Alcantara. When I look oh, at yeah. Kevin Alcantara, he, El Jaguar, I mean, when you take a look at a guy, like like when you look at him, you just say ball player. There's no doubt you know that he is some freak athlete. What was it yeah. that you enjoyed watching uh, with Kevin Alcantara this year? Um, well, one, he's he just he has a great personality. Uh, but when Canario came back from his rehab um, out in Arizona from his broken um, ankle and shoulder and was beginning to play full season ball, he just soaked up everything that Canario said for the 10 days or whatever he was there. And he began taking off after that. But I really enjoy watching him play defense. I mean, he played mostly center field last year and he can just go get a baseball. I mean, there is no doubt that with at six foot six, it doesn't take him long. I mean, I saw PCA get to some balls the summer before um, that he had no business getting to and cutting off triples and doubles. And Alcantara has that same kind of talent um, as far as getting to balls deep in um, 
the outfield and left center and right center. And he, um, I think, really started to tick up in the middle of the year after working with Canario there for for a while. And we started to see the bat come alive. And uh, Rich can attest to how he did out in Arizona in, in the fall league. We saw a lot of power and he finished strong. So I'm really excited with everything that he can do. I mean, the only concern is that he is six foot six and he does have a lot of long levers, um, but he seems to have a pretty good knowledge of the strike zone and he developed a lot more patience as the year went on. And Greg, you, you, you know, it's funny because when you were talking about, you know, sometimes that, uh, you know, being so long limbed Alcantara has some trouble with the sliders with those biting sliders. I always said the best comp to me when I look at um, Alcantara always is Alfonso Soriano. Like he just reminds me in so many ways of just like an athlete, that wiry build, uh, just everything going on. I, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's a question of what, whether he can put it all together in the major leagues. Yeah. I've heard like the, the absolute peak comp for like, I, I, I don't, I dislike player comps typically just cause like you're putting unreasonable expectations on a player. But uh, in terms of like the, the type of player that he could ultimately be, I think that I've heard uh, Matt Kemp thrown around and obviously like Matt Kemp was a, was a MVP candidate and was terrific for, for many years. Um, and so, like, if, if Kevin Alcantara, Alcantara could put together a career like Matt Kemp, then, like, that's that's the dream, you know. Um, so I don't want to put those expectations. But in terms of, like, that ability to, to play center field, to be a big-bodied guy, show off some power, uh, have some speed. Um, Matt Kemp was out there stealing 40 bases a se- in a season at, at one point in his career. And, and Kevin Alcantara is not doing that. He's, he's He can cover ground in the outfield. Um, he's not going to go out there and steal you 40 bases, though. But um, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a profile you can like, absolutely dream on. He's still got some things to work out in terms of like chasing the slider and like Todd mentioned, the the fastballs in are always going to be a, a concern, like they were with, with like with Chris Bryant for his his time with the Cubs, right? It's like when you got to do the six foot six um, fastballs in on the hands are tough. Now Alcantara obviously does have very quick hands. That's where the power comes from. Um, but it's just a different animal when you're getting 98 in, in on you as opposed to 94 in on you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think it was both Todd and Rich, both of you guys had Matt Shaw, I believe, at number three. Mm-hmm. And it was unbelievable, Rich, how quick. I mean, you saw when he first showed up to the complex, and then before long, he's, I mean, I know he's a college player, yeah. but, but you know, all the, going all the way up to double A and playing in, in the championship – I mean, that's just unreal. Yeah. He, um, I saw him in the complex, but I didn't get to see him play. I happened to be while I was traveling to some of the affiliates. But but I was fortunate then by the time I got to South Bend, he, he was in South Bend. Him and Josh Rivera were both there. And um, I only got to see him play one night, but I, I did come away impressed. He played short that night, but um, looked good at the arm. The You know, watching him on MILB.com uh, at the plate. Um just didn't seem overmatched. And, and the attitude, I think, is the other thing that I was really impressed by with Matt. He, um, very humble, uh, very coachable from what I saw. I saw him working a lot with um, several of the coaches working on his fielding early on. Um, and, you know, he, I think he even talked about in his opening press conference about wanting to, to find that spot where he struggled because that's where he's going to learn. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about what Matt Shaw can do. 
So, Rich, I'm going to ask you first, and then, guys, you can absolutely jump in on this. I, I, whenever, you know, I'm whether it's Twitter or Facebook or wherever we may be, you know, every time, you know, someone says we need a third baseman, people are like, well, we got Matt Shaw can play there. Does his arm, is he, do you think he will be able to play third base, or does that seem kind of a stretch right now, Rich? What's your opinion on that right now? Um, I, I never got a chance to really see him take grounders over there, so I haven't really seen him you know, flash the arm. I've seen him a little, I saw him a little bit at shortstop. Um, arm looked good there. Um, I think to me, I'm, I'm going to go back to like Nick Madrigal, you know, a year ago, this time when it started kind of leaking out, I think it was at the Cubs convention last year, where it kind of started talking about Nick Madrigal playing third. And there were some people making the, the smart aleck remarks. So, you know, he's going to have to have a cutoff man and the pitcher's mound. Cause he's not going to be able to make it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're, you're real funny, buddy. Um, while you're sitting on your mom's couch in, in the basement. Um, but, you know, Nick played pretty decent third base. It, is it, you know, it's not a Javi Baez arm, but, you know, I I don't know yet. But if if Nick Madrigal can do it, I got to think Matt Shaw is going to at least get a shot. Um, you know, working with working with the coaches um, wouldn't surprise me to see him out there early this, you know, early this spring. A lot of guys will probably be showing up at the complex in January, because that's usually right after the first year, you start seeing some guys start to trickle in. And that's when I started seeing Nick and he was working at third base every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think my take on the, on the Matt Shaw third base situation is like, I don't, he's a good athlete. You know, like, like we know, like we know he's a good athlete. So um, he's been a shortstop in college. It's like, all right. Like, so, so yeah, maybe he can play some third base. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that, well, I, I don't even think that we see like my, my take on when we potentially see Matt Shaw in Chicago is like I would love to see him in, in September. If we, I think we, if we see him in September, then I think that's terrific. I don't know how you guys feel mm-hmm. but like anything before Great. that would seems ridiculous, <laughs> like in, in the best <laughs> way possible. Right. Like in, mm-hmm. in like if we see him before September, it's like, holy crap, like this kid is truly amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But like my, my take on it is like, all right, like if if. I don't think he'll play a bad third base. Do I think he'll play a great third bla- third base? Absolutely not. Could he potentially get there? Yeah, like maybe. It's it just it's we don't we don't we know he was a shortstop in college. We know he's a good athlete, and you just kind of roll with that. Like yeah, so then maybe he can play third base. <laughs> now, Todd, you know it's funny because I remember the draft a couple of years back. There was a lot of hitters that people were kind of hoping the Cubs would go after, and instead they went with Cade Horton. And people, oh, what mm-hmm. he was injured, he barely played. And now you got him on the top of your rankings, and yeah. and so do a lot of people have him, at, you know, as one of the Cubs' top prospects. What made you put Cade Horton at number one on your list? I think um, just his future value for me. Um, I think we're really only starting to see what he can do as a pitcher um, because of the things you just mentioned. He really hadn't pitched a lot in college. Last year was the first full year that he pitched full time. Um, because he played, started out as a two-way player uh, in college. And what we saw last year was he just dominated at Myrtle Beach. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Um, and then it, he came to South Bend, and um, he pitched really well, had a, some struggles, a couple of games. Uh, but he was in Tennessee the last third of the year, and he really put some starts together where he was just flat-out dominant. And then he picked it up in the playoffs, and we really haven't seen a pitching prospect <laughs> um, like him since um, uh, number 22 back in 2003. <laughs> so, I mean, his future value as a guy at the top of the rotation, 
Uh, I think for me, got him a little bit higher than Pete, but not much. Um, Pete is a great player, and Pete's going to be an everyday center fielder for somebody, hopefully the Cubs. Um, but Pete has his limitations, and I don't think we know what Cade Horton's uh, ceiling is going to be just yet. I mean, he's he's got three great pitches. Um, I don't know if there's a fourth one in his repertoire or a tweak on a on one he already has, but I think we're just going to start to see uh, what he can really do as a pitcher because, to be honest, the Cubs were still limiting his innings through uh, May and June last year before they they let him go in July and August and September. So um, he really hasn't pitched more than 80, 85 um, throws in a game yet. I mean, maybe 90 a couple of times, but um, we're just starting to see what he can do. And I think that is, to me, is what is most exciting about um, him as the, as the Cubs' top prospect. And you talked about limits to PCA's game. What do you think those limits are? Um, I th- he's, his, his aggressive nature at the plate is what makes him, and you don't want to tamper that really. I think you don't want to like keep Pete down, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to hit 320, 330. He's going to go in the 280s, maybe 260 to 280, um, but he's really developing some power. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see him hit in two or three years, 25 home runs in the majors, steal you 40 bases. Uh, get a gold glove and center fielder. I mean, that's a good problem to have is to have <laughs> a rotation pitcher and then that guy backing him up in center field. So PC is not your, uh, not your father's leadoff man, right? Like I, I think that a lot of people have that in mind where they're like, Oh, like he's like the, 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 the speedy center fielder contact oriented leadoff batter that like from 20, 30, 40 years ago, like that's not, that, that's not what PCA is, you know? Oh. He's going to jump on that early mistake. Yeah. You know, the thing I saw when I saw PCA playing with the Cubs, that I think really kind of, you know, when you see him playing, you know, I saw him in South Bend play before. And the thing that blew my mind is I think sometimes the guys on the team, Ian Happ and Saya, were shocked that he was on so many plays, like right behind him, like how quick he comes <laughs> to the ball. Do you, I mean, do you, it's probably going to take some time for people to get used to it. And I mean, if I'm say, I just put my hands up and say, go get him, kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. He, um, he, when I was at South, saw him with South Bend in 2022, he'd be out in the outfield shagging BP every day, catching balls behind his head. I mean, it's like he would try it every time and make it look like it was nothing. And so for him to um, go up to the majors and sh- flash that defensive thing is unreal because I don't think I've ever seen anybody be able to judge the arc of a ball and its trajectory better than him. And there's just nobody. 